It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at seabock.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lookabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. If you are in or getting into the industrial organizational psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking for support to jumpstart your career, blaze your IO path, and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at cboc.com. If you're a more established IO practitioner, check out our expert membership to showcase your expertise, build your brand, and be part of our initiatives. Do you lead a university's IO or applied IO psychology program? Go to cboc.com, get in touch to partner with us to build your program's brand and get solid real-world support for your students. Let us do the heavy lifting for their engagement and experiences. And businesses, get in touch. We've got the bank of experts you need for coaching, consultation, and program development and execution. Please subscribe to the podcast because it helps us out and it helps the field of I.O. Also, today, we have Tom Bradshaw with us, a voice and speech coach and a damn good actor, too. He is the official voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our weekly gatherings of IOs, HRs, OCs, recruiters, and one actor as we try to make the world of work just a little bit better. Uh, Dr. Ariana, you're going to be leading us today, and we're going to take a look at from perks to purpose, navigating the evolution of employee motivation, uh, which, once again, that's a great topic because how do you motivate people? What's the good ways to motivate people? I know I've been in some situations that maybe that's not the best way to motivate people. <laughs> you know, sometimes um, you can have an employer or, you know, a, a supervisor who likes to celebrate achievements by bringing in ice cream. Not a big fan of ice cream. Um, but, but what kind of research or, or, you know, what are you seeing out there in the real world? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll talk about definitely our applied consulting experiences, but we know that CBOC likes to bring some evidence as well for evidence-based consulting. So we'll start there today. So today we're talking about perks to purpose, although maybe both are helpful, which I want to hear from you as well. Is it perks or purpose or both? But that's been an ongoing theme in our conversation around how the zeitgeist of this time is shifting more towards purpose. And this is getting substantiated by new articles in the last few years. There's one article called A Corporate Purpose as an Antecedent to Employee Motivation and Work Engagement. And in this study, they found that the results associated purpose with motivation and engagement. A longitudinal analysis confirmed this directionality of purpose to engagement. But interesting, the follow-up longitudinal study that they did did not link it as much to motivation. So it says, hence, while a corporate purpose can be added to the list of antecedents to work engagement, the relationship with motivation, despite the significant association with purpose, remains more complicated. So that was interesting. It's saying that purpose is predicting engagement, but only sometimes predicting motivation. So interested to hear the group's thought on that. And that there is another recent article called 
purpose in the for-profit firm. So talking about purpose in for-profit settings. And this helps us take a little bit deeper in understanding how we cultivate purpose in the modern day workforce. And I'll add this graphic that I'm currently looking at, as well as the citations to the chat. But they're saying that purpose starts by internal and external drivers, which basically facilitate the need for the organization to be existing in the first place. And then you take those drivers and you help it do framing. So framing is where we talk about the mission and vision, our values, and our internal narrative in order to communicate that purpose. Then there's formalizing needed within the organization, which they refer to as structuring, embedding, and governing. And then that also includes some institutional context, like the levels of transparency um, and what happens when people do not conform to the values and mission and vision. But when all these factors are present, we get to the level of realizing where we see value creation and multi-stakeholder impact, which may likely include employee motivation and engagement. I I see that they're, sorry, go ahead. No, I have one more article, but I'll stop there, Tom. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna ask because I've I've recently been doing some research and, and seeing that employee volunteering, that you can volunteer for, your volunteer organization, and you can use actually office hours. You can, you know, as part of your workflow, organizations are giving employees time off to work with volunteer organizations. Is that the kind of thing that, you know, also it kind of ties into their purpose, maybe not the organizational purpose, but can also, you know, have a little influence on motivation as well? Yeah, I think that one will land differently for different people, but organizations that are engaging with it, I think if they can connect the two narratives, right, the reason they're volunteering and how that connects to how they're engaging in mission and purpose as an organization, I think if you can make that link clear, it's going to be stronger. Otherwise, it's probably more on the side of perks where you're able to volunteer and get the time off and have that supported. Um, But yeah, I'd love to hear from the rest of the group. Well, and I see Linda Ann's hand is up, so let's go to her. I always have an opinion on this stuff. <laughs> um, so I, I too found that article, that first article that that Dr. Ariana mentioned, and I thought it was really interesting because it didn't um, motivate when they did that connection. It didn't motivate the the person, the person individually, right? It, so for me, the difference there is there needs to be. When you look at it, depends on number one, how you're helping them identify what the purpose, the organizational purpose is, because in that article, it indicated, well, they gave them the mission and they gave them the vision. That doesn't necessarily mean that a purpose was clearly communicated, because often missions are terribly written and a vision is really not your purpose. So it's how you look at the process, you know, do you have um, a completely remote organization or do you have four offices or do you, how do you interact with your clients? But it doesn't mean that it's a true purpose. And the the actual thing that's going to create the motivation in my mind is when you have a clear purpose and now you've connected that individual's own personal goals, ambitions, professional development to the organizational purpose. So now they have, it's their personal purpose, right? I need to get 
whether they need to get their professional certification. Are you facilitating that professional development? You know, do they want to advance through the ranks? All those kinds of things. When you define that and help them see that connection to purpose and how them working towards their own purpose is also connected to the organization's purpose, that's when you get some motivation. And it can go horribly wrong, (laughs) you know, just from some real world experience out there. If the organization has a purpose and you don't do that alignment work, I can be an employee who can look at the organizational purpose and go, I can align to that. But my supervisor may not, you know, her vision of aligning with the purpose and my role might not be aligned with what that leader wants, that supervisor wants, if we haven't had that discussion. True. Right. And so that's where that you can have an identified purpose, but there needs to be a leader that's connecting where you are to where you want to be and how that helps the company. And what percentage of those leaders do you think we have? A- <laughs> well, it's it's an educational process, isn't it, Tom? It, it certainly is. Um, <laughs> Natasha, I don't know where you are, but I love your background and I want your life. Uh, let's go to you. <laughs> I am out in um, Silver Spring, Maryland, right outside of Washington, D.C., and I'm out here on the deck. It's 61 degrees. Weather is wonderful. Um, But yeah, I really wanted to jump. Linda Ann made the exact comment that I was about to make. And what I would add to that, the only thing that I would add to that or probably how I'd frame it is, how are you helping me be the best version of me in order to meet the organization purpose. And so it's not just the alignment of my my aligning with the purpose of the organization, but it's also understanding that we have a mutual agreement of what the purpose is and what it takes to, what it will take to get us there and beyond and how you invest in that. And another aspect that I would like to jump on when it comes down to the motivation of employees is that Oftentimes with organizations, and Linda Ann kind of like hinted towards that earlier when she talked about, um, you know, vision, mission, and purpose being poorly written for a lot of organizations, right? And wherein they're not necessarily driving the messaging. But oftentimes what demotivates employees is when we have a leadership, an executive, a person in a managerial role that does not live operate, lead to the standards of the mission that we claim to uphold. And so we evangelize one thing. Our mission statement says one thing, but our practices, how we operate our day-to-day, the core and essence of who our leaders are and how they lead is complete opposite. And when employees now see the disconnect between the two, There is no motivation. Um, And oftentimes you will find employees that would want to work, that will work hard to bridge that gap. And in working hard to bridge that, bridge the gap, they cause self-harm. Because as I always tell people, if you work in a toxic organization, if you cannot change where you are, change where you are. Because if you do not change where you are, where you are will change you. In essence, if you can't change the toxicity or what it is that you see to be a major disconnect within the organization, 
leave because it, if you do not, ch- if you can't change it, it will change you and more than likely for something, a version of you that you do not want to be. Thank you very much for that. And um, is it, besides leaving, and let's say the environment is not completely toxic, you're still hopeful as an employee that you might be able to make change. Can you give some advice to, you know, employee who might be listening to Work Cookie who goes, I need to have that discussion with my supervisor. Is there a good way to have that discussion? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, yes, there is a good way to have that discussion. And the starting point there is knowing who your supervisor is. Is your supervisor someone safe wherein you can say, I know we say this, we are here, and I notice this gap, and this is what we can do to bridge it. If your supervisor is a safe person that has made it safe for you to make mistakes, learn from them, grow, develop, if your supervisor makes it a safe space for you to share opinions that might not be, you know, mainstream or might not be the correct answer, yes, by all means. Go up to them and say, hey, we say this, but this is what's being done. I think I have a solution, but I wanted to know, is there an interest here? Have that conversation and go from there. But if your supervisor is not a safe person and there are plenty of unsafe supervisors, I wouldn't recommend that because the outcome, and I'm saying this from an HR from an HR lens, I wouldn't recommend having that conversation. Um, but kind of finding other ways of indirectly or making the supervisor believe that it was their idea to come up with. I'm not a fan of that theory of that method, but if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The wonderful world of work. Uh, Dr. Matthew, let's go to you. So I love this, this conversation around switching from, or the, 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 process of going from perks to more of a purpose centered at, at, uh, in, in the workplaces. So at its core, that movement from, uh, from perks to purpose, it, it's grounded in a deep understanding of the human psyche of, of psychology. So we people we're we are not merely just pieces of a machine. We're not task completing machines. We're driven by a fundamental, fundamental desire for purpose and meaning in what we do. And it's that psychological shift that taps into that very essence of the motivation. So, for example, consider um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So I know a lot of for those who are familiar with that, we typically see it as a pyramid. He actually never drew it as a pyramid. And uh, if you dive deeper into Scott Barry Kaufman's work on um, self-actualization, it is fascinating uh, work. And that really gets beyond that basic psychological safety needs and starts exploring ascending into the next level of uh, belongingness, esteem. And in the context of work, this this speaks directly to that ideology. It's about belonging to some sort of mission, gaining um, you know, m- meaningful contributions, and ultimately achieving that self-actualization through purposeful work. And I look back to, at the very start of COVID, uh, some of the organizations that you know everybody in no matter what organization you're in you were you were struggling to understand what is going on here and there were a lot of companies that said you know what we have our employees that are dealing with a lot so we're going to throw some perks at them and that was great and it did help but it was a it was a short boost and over time those short boosts started that started to wear off the impact of that daily lunch or that weekly lunch or whatever it might be started to become part of the normal process versus hey this is an added boost 
And when that starts to happen, that's when the organizations need to take a step back and say, you know, what what are um, motivating factors that that enable our and empower our employees to uh, to be well and to do well, and really understanding that power of connection and that that intrinsic motivation versus here's some more stuff that we're going to continue to uh, to provide you some more perks. Really, kind of taking that deep deep look inside. What is it that's that's driving you, and how can we as an organization? How can how can I as a leader support you, Tom? What motivates you? Maybe what motivates you is going to be different than what motivates Linda Ann. And so, as a leader. I want to get to know that about you so that I can help you become the best version of you in whatever that may be. Your definition of success is what's important there. And that's that that switching from that perk to that purpose. What is your purpose and how can we as an organization, how can I as your leader help you get there? So how do we get that message? I mean, it, it sounds to me like that message needs to go to leadership. Um, so how do we as an organization, how do IO psychologists how do you guys get that message out there that you may be working in one vein, but there's actually a better way? That's a great question. <laughs> I think that <laughs> uh, there's a lot of different ways that we can, you know, um, continue to market ourselves as IOs and HR professionals and um, sharing just like doing like this, taking the research off of the shelf and putting it into plain language and connecting it to real world applications, being able to bridge that connection and say, hey, we've looked into this. We see how this can work. Let me help you. And then to actually kind of take it one step further, if if we're looking at how to motivate those leaders to follow suit or to incorporate this, why are, what are, what can we do to understand their purpose? Hey, Tom, you're a leader and I'm trying to get you to do this. What motivates you? How can I, as an IO, help you and your organization become the best version of yourself? See, it, it's kind of psych- it, it cycles back through. It's applying that, but then again, that marketing and communicating and, and presenting the services and the offers, um, the benefits that we as IOs bring. I'm going to send every leader I know a link to this podcast. <laughs> Get them on work cookie, they'll change. Uh, Dr. Martha, let's go to you. First, I really like what Natasha said about changing where you are unless you wanted to change you. That is very true and that is very powerful, especially if you find yourself as an individual in a toxic environment. But the reality for many people is that change is not always possible. And sometimes even when it is possible, it's not possible immediately. And so what I wanted to add to that is the concept of perception, because we all have the ability to change how we perceive things, situations, environments, whether or not we know it, whether or not it's easy for us, we all have that ability. So that needs to be, I think, noted that that if you are in an environment that is not agreeable, but you can't change where you are immediately or quickly enough, work on your perceptions as if nothing else, as part of self-preservation. So now our topic, perks to purpose, when I first saw the topic, to me, that means going from extrinsic to intrinsic motivation. Because if you think about perks, uh, we have a, a pretty good history of perks within organizations. And there has been years of people individuals trying to join an organization because of the perks that they heard came with the job, right? And this is how many organizations over the years have attracted top talent. 
but things have changed. Things have shifted. And what was once adequate or even attractive has lost its shine, if you will. People need more depth. And this is where purpose comes in. But we also have to remember that everybody on an individual basis will have their own preferences. So you may have an organization with a fantastic, well-defined purpose and leadership that is well aligned with that purpose, but not everybody in that organization, not everybody that's part of that workforce will align with that or will be interested in that. So an organization, first of all, you can't assume or you shouldn't even aim to have everybody aligned. I don't think that's realistic, especially if you're a sizable organization, because there's always going to be somebody who will argue with you for the purpose of arguing with you, right? They'll just do the opposite for the purpose of doing the opposite. Thanks for volunteering, Tom. (laughs) But an organization needs to understand that there's so many layers to this, this purpose thing. There's the organization's purpose, but there's also the individual's purpose. And while an organization may not realistically be able to align with everybody's purpose, there needs to be some kind of connection. There needs to be an understanding, a knowing of who who your people are and what they're looking for and what they need. And what does, how does your purpose as an organization compare to what your people are looking for in terms of their own purpose? And then lastly, it's important for individuals to realize that It's okay if your purpose in life doesn't align with the purpose of your organization. You can fulfill your purpose outside of your working hours. There seems to be so much pressure to have this dream job where you have a purpose and you can't wait to get up in the morning and go change the world. And I think for many people, that's not the case. And because of this hype, people sometimes feel like they're doing something wrong or they're missing out or what's wrong with me. The reality is that you may not find your purpose, your true purpose at work. Work may be a way of putting a roof over your head and food on the table and doing what you need to do. And hopefully you enjoy it well enough to do it day in and day out. But you're calling your purpose, whatever gets you up in the morning can be very much outside of work. So while, yes, we're all about work here, right? And work psychology and and the work environment. I want to to remind people of that because I think that there's this unspoken pressure that you have to have this dream job and, and skip to work every day. And a lot of people don't know that reality. I think most people probably don't know that reality. And, and I want to make sure everybody takes that for what it is, you, you, that doesn't mean that's where your purpose is going to be. And thank you very much, because you're absolutely right. But if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you for a little bit of clarity, because, you know, even just the phrase, you know, I work in a toxic work environment, it seems to get thrown out. And some organizations I can imagine are extremely toxic uh, and easy to spot. But I'm guessing out in the real world, there's you know, a lot of people working in organizations that kind of maybe are toxic, but I don't know what to really look for. Maybe something happens. So what should an employee be looking for to go, oh my God, I'm I'm working in a toxic environment? 
Well, I think that this, again, is going to, to some degree, vary by individual because you may have two opinions from two employees at the same organization that are on the opposite ends of the spectrum where one person will say, this is the most toxic environment I've ever worked in. And the other person will say that this is a great place to work. So, you know, you can, first of all, there's going to be some kind of consensus about the organization. But within that, again, you have layers where you will have the perception, the opinion of individuals. And some people work better in one kind of environment and others work better in another kind of environment. You may have someone, let's, for example, say someone who excels in a military um type of career and they thrive on everything that's associated with that a person who's more of a free spirit couldn't even imagine having to wear a uniform every day will see that as absolute torture is it torture well it depends on who you ask isn't it so um again i think that an organization will generally have some kind of label assigned to it in terms of whether there's toxicity within it. You think of it like a dysfunctional family, right? I mean, what's an organization but a collection of individuals? But from there, again, we have to look at all the different variables that come with every single individual that's part of that organization. You could have a toxic department, but a non-toxic organization as a whole or a toxic boss. And so there's so much that goes into it. Yes, I, I am the crazy uncle and my sister, my, I might drive her crazy, but I have a role and a purpose. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you. Well, you're on fire today, Tom. <laughs> um, to get back to, for a minute, the topic um, for today about perks to purpose, I have yet to see perks really drive someone to stay at an organization. They might stay a little bit longer if there's an, if they have to stay one more year to invest into the 401k or something like that. It might help or maybe if they have the opportunity for hybrid or remote work and that serves their other purpose um, in life, then they may stay. But beyond that, from, from my perspective, um, perks are nice, but they're they don't accomplish like the engagement or the the motivation that most employers I think are thinking they might and and um, I look at it and I'm working with a group of consultants and as a group we've decided that we won't work with organizations that want band aids and perks can really be band aids in a lot of cases where they want to do a thing to achieve motivation or engagement. And it's not a thing, it's a result, right? So you, when you get to the point where you're doing all the other things that create motivation and um, engagement, and you add perks on top of that, those are that's the icing and the gravy that goes, makes everything wonderfully better, but it's not gonna be the thing that drives what you need from your employees and for your organization. <clears throat> um, and and one of those things, you know, with what Dr. Martha was saying, you know, um, sometimes it, the perks attract people to an organization like Google is known for all their perks. Right. However, their average tenure is a year for their employees. Right. So is it really is it really that? <laughs> um, and sometimes 
the, the when you look at what, to what Dr. Martha was saying is, you know, not everybody's going to be connected to the organizational purpose. Sometimes the the job is a tool. You know, I've had worked with employees where they were very clear about what they wanted to accomplish in life and they had purpose outside the job. The job kept the lights on for them, but it accomplished a purpose for them. Right. It, it accomplished a different purpose, but it was still serving their purpose. Um, and I think that that what I tend to try to work with employees to achieve is this mutual cause where the where it's both a clear purpose that serves both the employee and the company. And it's a mutual cause so that they they can do parallel tracks to uh, achieve this, the end goal. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Nick, let's go to you. That's a fascinating idea. I think a couple of things that have jumped out to me as I've been listening to the discussion. Um, you talk about the purpose of an organization. There is a, a business purpose for why, you know, an organization is out there. You know, McDonald's serves fast food, Best Buy delivers electronics. Everybody's got kind of that purpose out there as to why they're in business. But I think we're touching more on what is the organizational purpose behind it? Like, okay, we've got this outward facing thing. What is our purpose as this collection of individuals? And I think that's where you can start to see, you know, the the relationship between the individual and the organization becomes very, very key. The organization wants engaged people to further the business purpose. And, you know, there are varying degrees of I need a paycheck. I love, you know, this this product or, you know, the, the various reasons why people go to work in the first place. Um, listening to Dr. Martha and Linda Ann something that kind of jumped out at me is if you're going to offer perks, they have to align with your, your organizational purpose. You know, you can, you can have, you know, a beer fridge, you know, for Friday happy hours, but if you're not in the office and don't get to take advantage of that, then, you know, it's not really a perk. It's just, you know, it's just there. If you are considering your benefits and perks, you know, do we cover healthcare at hundred percent? Well, why, what is our motivation there? You know, is it the bottom line or do we truly want to make sure that our people are taken care of in the event of something catastrophic? And so I think there's a balance to be hit because if you're not paying appropriately, people are going to leave. If you're not, you know, offering those kind of universally accepted benefits in a meaningful fashion, people are going to leave. So you've got to kind of hit those basics of the structure there. And then can you go ahead and say, okay, how do we take development for individuals in our company? You know, and if it's, you know, if you've got the best benefits, but the worst pay, it's not going to work out. If you've got the best pay without any additional benefits, people are also going to, you know, see a disconnect there. And I think organizations should look at kind of what is their alignment? You know, why are we doing what are we, we're doing? What is our motivation? You know, the the unlimited paid time off is one that always kind of comes up as a perk. Well, it's not really a perk if you don't encourage people to get out of the office and use it. Um, and so I think some of those things can be used in a very genuine way. Um, and some of them are, quite frankly, a bait and switch. Do some organizations go get a, get a little confused because, you know, I'm old enough to remember, you know, a beverage company where, you know, their purpose is to sell beverages. But I saw, you know, a series of commercials for a year where, it was more like our purpose is to bring people together and cause world harmony. Um, and thank you very much, but I don't think your beverage is going to cause people to come together and form world harmony. Your purpose really is to sell beverages. But, but if they, you know, say to their employees, our purpose is to bring the world together and, you know, cause peace, aren't their employees just going to look at it and go, what? There can absolutely be a disconnect there, uh, you know, 
And that's part of marketing and things like that, but also trying to embrace some of what we're talking about here. Get to that higher purpose, that why, you know, yes, we sell sugar water. Well, what can that sugar water do? It can bring people together in a community. It can, you know, give us a pause. It's an extreme example, uh, but kind of that that why, that higher purpose, you know, the janitor at a hospital can look at sweeping and say, well, I'm keeping the hospital clean for, for patients. Their job is still, still to sweep, but they're identifying with a higher order on top of that. Alexander, let's go to you. Hello. Okay, so my thoughts on this went to a little bit of a different place. It went specifically to mergers and acquisitions. I just pasted in some of the links that I'm going to kind of discuss here. So my thoughts have always been around when you come into the merger space and your company is acquired, typically you end up seeing that your values become extraction for the shareholders of the private equity group or other entity. And so you might end up in a situation where you was with a really good company, but now what do you really need to do? We've talked about B Corps in the past and how that can benefit companies and how there can be some protections in there. Um, But there are actually other legislation that has been passed, like Italy passed in 2015 legislation for benefit corporations. Different states have passed this as well which is a bit more of a legal entity similar to the B Corp certifications, but there is the taxation differences here. And so as these type of companies should founders be looking at, especially we want to have these specific commissions and we can incorporate our companies into legal entities that have a for-profit purpose, but they also have very specific and stated general kind of benefits statements that are also a part of our mission statement and why this company exists that can be more protected for those cases where acquisitions occur. So that's kind of where my mind has went. You know, as when I was working in post-secondary world, I was actually, you know, part of a merger between uh, the School of Creative Arts and the School of Arts and Science. We got merged in with them and I sure felt what it was like to become a second class citizen. Uh, Maya, let's go to you. Thank you. Um, yeah, some definitely interesting thoughts. And I think coming back to like the purpose side, uh, Matthew, you mentioned earlier the hierarchy of needs. And it definitely plays a big role in it because one of the theories that came out of that kind of subsequent to its kind of popularity being spread was that once one of those needs is filled, it can no longer provide motivation to an employee. So I think that comes with the uniqueness of each employee has their own needs. Because once one of those needs is filled, then you're not fussed if that perk is being reached or not because you don't need it anymore. Um, I think that comes with like an evolution of change for people. And another thing with purpose coming in, I've just graduated undergraduate. I've been in a job since May uh, in an organization. And being in that environment, you realize how integral purpose is. When you're disconnected from the end goal of the company, you don't feel as useful uh, within an organization. I think People will have their own purposes. Um, Like someone mentioned earlier, purpose doesn't have to come from work. But for those who it's important for them for the purpose to come from work, things like that can be a big deal. And I think organizations just need to really hone in on individuality and and being able to take the time to work with with those individuals. I agree with you 100%, but I want to ask you because it sounds Mm -hmm. like an organization is going to have to spend a lot of time (laughs) making sure everyone's aligned with purpose. is it does it affect the bottom line positively? Are you going to get more of your people if you put in that little extra time? 
I think it can do, but I think it can also start as early as the hiring process. I think you need to be very open with your candidates about your values and making sure that when you're bringing someone into an organization, those are kind of pre-aligned to some extent, because then you can reduce turnover, which will then eventually save costs. So I think it can help the bottom line overall. Yeah. And it's just a good thing to do. Uh, Dr. Matthew, (laughs) let's go to you. So to echo what Maya was just saying, um, you know, purpose-driven work, it ties into this concept of, of mastery, the, the desire to become something, uh, the, the desire to become better at something uh, that matters, that matters to you. So when individuals see their work as part of a larger purpose, it provides a sense of direction and, and encourages continue, uh, continuous learning and growth. <clears throat> um, so when we look at, you know, beyond the workplace perks and, and moving into more of a purpose-driven mindset or, or approach, um, there's a there's also a, a ripple effect on the impact of well-being. And that's a key indicator of a holistic approach to your employee engagement, your employee satisfaction, and your organizational sustainability, how your organization can continue to operate day in and day out, not just for today or tomorrow, but for the next year, two years, 10 years, however long. When we talk about um, the evolution of well-being, it's not just considering physical health, but the overall state, both inside and out of the office and purpose-driven work has a has a profound effect on well-being. It aligns those personal values with professional pursuits. It, it connects the dots between what matters to us individuals uh, on an individual level and to what we're doing and spending a lot of our uh, day at work. So I think, for example, there's an organization I, I, I know that they're they did a lot of introspective work over the last few years to really kind of say, you know, we have our mission statement and our value statement, but how much do we actually demonstrate that in our behaviors? So, uh, you know, what matters uh, to them, you know, we want to um, improve the financial lives of every person. Well, that's a that's a wonderful purpose. And when you put it down on paper, it sounds great. It's in your it's in your daily activity, your daily behaviors that demonstrates that you really do truly care about that. And so for some, it might just be a job. But for a lot of people, that does connect that purpose, that intrinsic motivation that says, I once struggled financially. And so if I'm now in a position to help somebody else, my day to day job, I may not wake up every morning and skip to work. So excited to be there. But I know at the end of the day, if I help somebody improve their financial situation in some kind of capacity, it provided that intrinsic reward and that that connection to that purpose-driven lifestyle, that purpose-driven behavior. Yeah, it would it, it'd just be so much better if your purpose was aligned to what you're doing. And you do go to work every day with a smile on your face. Um, but we need to make more smiles. Uh, Natasha, let's go back to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, and so I wanted to shift gears a little bit um, and look at it from a diversity lens, Right. Um, historically in this country, um, black people and people of color, when they graduate from high school or graduate from college, the goal is always to get a job. And they tell you, get you a job that will give you benefits or give you a pension. And when you get that job, keep your head down. Don't mess up anything that will mess up your benefits. And I think it goes back to the point that Dr. Martha, I believe, was making earlier in the sense that oftentimes people don't work because for purpose, they work to meet a goal. And the goal is to keep a roof over your head, to keep lights 
over your head. And there I quote um, Jimmy McMillan, I believe his name was, may he rest in peace. He was running for third party um, as presidential candidate um, some years ago under the party of the rent is too damn high. Because face it, the rent really is too high. We're we're really living in a very interesting economic times. Cost of living is at an all-time high and where people's paychecks, the average American's paycheck is not matching, meeting the cost of living. And on a realistic point of view, if we're looking at this from, if we can, for a moment here, remove our privileges, because to work for any organization that offers perks, to even discuss perks in this moment is a privilege. And if we can remove that lens for a second there, we would, I would dare, I would challenge you to listen to this next sentence and think about it. Purpose and perks do not pay bills. Money does. And so when we think about from perks to purpose, is this, again, organizations ways of putting band-aids on not really addressing the issues that they truly need to address, the cultural issues, the foundational issues, um, pay equity, and so much more. And so while the conversation is great, I think that when we talk about perks and benefits, we really have to think about the individuals that are within the organization, what really motivates them, why are they working here, um, and what would keep them working here. And while it's easy to throw out, I want to work for a mission-driven organization. I worked in nonprofit for the better part of the past 10 years. And guess what? It's so easy to say, but truth be told, Mission doesn't pay my bills. The money does. Yeah, it, it certainly does. And um, some interesting numbers came out last week up here in Canada that the 1% are doing incredibly well, but 50% of our population is actually seeing things get worse. Um, say la vie. Uh, Amanda, let's go to you. Yeah, I, uh, I wanted to talk more about uh, what Maya was saying and maybe even add a little bit to uh, what Natasha was saying there is, you know, I, I want to talk more about purpose on an individual level rather than on a company level. You know, going back to training your leaders to practice clarity, candor, caring, you know, clarity provides that direction, ensuring employees understand how their work contributes to a larger vision. Candor builds that trust, allowing honest conversations that aligns to the individual aspirations and the company goals. And then, of course, caring, which goes beyond those perks and creates it's an environment where employees feel feel valued and connected and able to be purpose driven. You know, believing uh, or having that individual level to the purpose can really help build your your organization. Yeah, it certainly can. And and you're right. Let's let's focus a little bit more on the person. Uh, Nick, let's go to you. It's you know we talk about the organization's purpose and, and the interplay, and there's the the kind of the does it go top down or does it come bottom up? You know, if you're in an organization where, you know, the, the business purpose is to make and distribute sugar water, you know, you've got your, your beverage company or whatever, you know, is it up to leadership to say we're more than just this? Or do you get a collection of people who are like, okay, we've got the production lines running. What else can we do with, with this platform? What causes can we support? What interests do we have? You know, you get, you know, 
on a college campus, you get clubs and, and things like that. And I think in a large enough organization, you almost have to, to foster some of that as well, to, to bring those elements within the community to like-minded places. Um, but again, I think something like that comes from the bottom up um, and it's going to interact and morph based on what the top does and, and same with the top down sort of directive as well. Um, you know, it's it, one of those, you know, are they writing the check to charity because the cameras are there or do they care about the charity enough to use their brand name and platform to bring exposure to, um, you know, the cause? I, I know Jersey Mike's just wrapped up their annual, you know, campaign of giving where, yeah, come in and get a sandwich and we're going to do this really nice thing on top of getting your business. Yeah, really good insight. Um, I hope we get this right. Capel, let's go to you. Hi, everyone, and thank you for an amazing discussion. So close to my heart, um, intrinsic motivation, as rightly pointed out, is one of the main factors for uh, you know having engaged employees. But I just wanted to highlight two things. One, to Natasha's point, yes, I do agree, Perks and Purpose does not pay our bills. So definitely there is a need to you know kind of have equity in pay. But at the same time, when we're looking at perks and purpose, we also have to look at it from the intersectionality of gender, race, socioeconomic status, and how these all can be like, you know, you cannot have a general policy for everyone. There is a difference. There are people have diversity. There's a diversity in your population, and you have to be mindful of that while designing your interventions. The other point that I that I thought could be useful and you know, it could provide some kind of brainstorming is the role of CSR. Uh, if CSR initiatives can be inbuilt and it could, you know, provide uh, avenues for employees to, you know, kind of contribute in a sense that they could align with their purpose. And that could be used as a motivation for people to you know, perform better. I think these two things I think could, you know, kind of help us understand interventions. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. And, you know, it is amazing when organizations get their employees involved in decision-making, usually it works out pretty well. Uh, Maya, let's go back to you. I'm on mute. I think the kind of intrinsic side of it brings up a really good point. Um, you can ask someone to do something, you can give them perks to make them do it, but that's not going to make them want to do it on their own every single time. I think that intrinsic side brings in that independent motivation to complete tasks, to be more productive at work, to buy into the company culture and make sure that they're really contributing as a big part. And from that intrinsic side, I think that can include a lot of personal work that needs to be done. And I think that's something that companies may not have to take lead on, but they can encourage their employees to do as individuals. Um, so I think there's not only the company side, but employees themselves need to put the effort in if they wish to get that outcome from, from employment. If it be the purpose side of it, then I think that's something individuals should work on too. Yeah, we we it, it does come down to individuals ultimately. Um, Linda Ann, let's go back to you. I'd like to follow up a little bit on, on Natasha's uh, conversation. And that's, you know, when you talk about um, some people aren't motivated by the purpose of the organization because it doesn't pay the bills. Um, that's true to some extent, but when you look at the picture of things as a whole, organizationally, when you look at Herzberg's theory and, and that pay just needs to be a, a given, industry standard pay needs to be a given, that, um, that it only 
if you don't have an appropriate pay, it only leads to dissatisfaction, not necessarily um, motivating someone by having higher pay. Um, that needs to be included in that. And then also the generations that are entering the workforce um, really do want that connection to purpose. They want to feel that they are contributing to a purpose higher than themselves. And so you have to look at how people are being raised and what values are they given when they look at thinking about their career. You know, is it that you can have satisfaction in your job? You know, in the old days, it was you go to work and if you're happy to have a job, regardless of what that is, and if it's not serving your um, uh, bliss, so to speak, oh, well, you're paying your bills, you know, and you're supporting your family. But the people coming into the workforce, that that doesn't resonate. And so it's really important that as leaders preparing to be successful with the Gen Zs and, and the upcoming um, generations, you need to learn how to really connect their motivations and desires to what the company wants to accomplish. Uh, let me ask you, Linda, because I agree with you wholeheartedly that there's a, a new generation coming on the workforce and they are rather different than someone like myself. I am part of that generation of your paycheck is your motivation. If you don't like it, there's the door. Um, how are they going to, if they're effective, if they can do what they want to do, how is that going to change the world of work? There's um, a big question. <laughs> well, it changes how people and this is this is my purpose, right? This is why I get up every morning is to help organizations change the way people experience work. And that's by really di diving deep between being clear on what you are um, wanting to achieve. What is your one statement with your one sentence purpose of why you exist and what you want to accomplish to the people that are coming in the door? And how are you aligning their their performance expectations and professional development to achieve their professional and personal um, purpose. And then you integrate that. And how do you get that to work all the way through your organization? And one, it's a lot of work. To, there's no doubt. It's an effort and it's a lot of work to initially get it. But once it becomes part of how your company functions, it becomes part of your culture. And then it's an expectation. And it not only is it an expectation within the organization, but it creates a situation that differentiates you as an organization from most other organizations. And that's when they come knocking on your door. Well, I hope your phone is ringing off the hook. Uh, Alexander, let's go to you. So listening to economics in that field, I understand from it that there is a height limit to how high we can go with our salaries compared to the inflation. It seems that largely this is being impacted by the amount of billionaires kind of hoarding the top wealth, which is kind of keeping our incomes at this certain level um, that isn't paying the bills. And I think this goes back to where I've talked about this in the past. We're starting to see some of these companies and especially government entities being forced to provide housing as a benefit, essentially, so their employees can start to have that. And I do think that is going to increase. So I do think something along those lines will be benefits that people do start to care about more. Um, going into Linda Ann's 
comment there. Uh, Gen Z is the most entrepreneurial generation we've seen to date. They tend to just not be really willing to take the crap that a lot of companies have been offering to other generations who have embraced it and just did it for the income. Um, so we are starting to see those little aspects into it. I mean, especially when we start to see employees not willing to take jobs just off of the technologies that they use. We have um, so over 50%, I can't think of the exact percentage, but it's the vast majority of Gen Z doesn't feel that they've been properly trained for the technologies in the workplace. They've largely been taught on Google Workspace and Chrome OS and that they go into workplaces that don't have these offerings. They're stuck with Microsoft. They don't feel it's as collaborative. They can't get their work done. They've been educated and learned how to communicate in a way that is extremely collaborative friendly. And so to rip that from them, they just don't want to do it. And you start to see that these employees that you could be capturing are now leaving and going into creating their own companies that are competitors to existing businesses. So I think we are starting to see a really big shift in that. So I really thought that was really brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Amani, let's go to you. Um, hi, everyone. I've, I've had a lot of points about people talking about intrinsic motivation. And to me, I just wanted to talk about or bring to your you know, notification about people who already have the intrinsic notific um, motivation, like naturally have the intrinsic motivation because your experiences, you, the, you as a person, and you definitely know what you really want in life. Like one of us said, there are those people who just want to know to have the money going. But before all employees come to an organization, they already know what they're coming in for. They already know how much they're coming for. And the people who are just settling for that. So to me, I would like to say that um, emotions drive people, regardless of anything, wherever you go, everything that you're doing in life, you know, is your part, your part of um, your, your emotions drive you when you do shopping, your emotions drive you. And I feel like um, organizations need to care for their, for their employees so that the employees can care about the things that they really mostly, you know, um, they mostly really care about as an organization. So treating people with respect, you know, come into equation. And then also um, we need to ask questions of how can um, organization or leaders, you know, how can they invoke practical emotions with their employees to for them to be, you know, for them to be purposeful within their organizations? How do they invoke these emotions, you know, um, saying that you're going to be motivating most of us who already have inner intrinsic motivation it comes along with uh, with how you're treating us. The, the normal day, small things that we know we are looking at is how you're treating us, your demeanor in talking to us, how you, how you respect us. So I think we just need to really clock into um, something. I'm still going to get back to, you know, what I think I'm really um, aware of or what I really know, something that's called emotional intelligence. It's not just part of the game. It is the game within organization. You know, like one, well, like how some of um, um, a profession just said, there's a profession just said, it's not just part of the game. It is part of the organization. When we all put ourselves in, in, in self, like in situations whereby our emotional intelligence is really high, we will know the in and outs and how we can really be able to, 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 as an employee, how I can really maneuver these kind of like toxic workplace or really how leaders can really respond to me as a, an employee in terms of, you know, how they handle themselves and how they relate with me so that I can be able to do my work productively within an organization. So I can kind of like stay in my lane and then 
also organizations saying in your lane, just aligning purpose as well, as one of us just talked about. So I just want to say that those who are really self-started, they really have the intrinsic motivation because of how their experiences have been. And we're not, we're not just looking at all these things of, even when somebody said about money, it's not even just about money at the end of the day, because some of us will be like, okay, this and this is putting this amount of food on my, it's just enough for me. I don't want that much. But how you're treating me in an organization is what will really um, be my make or break. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, and especially as an actor, I know that emotions work incredibly well on people um, <laughs> and that you can use them for motivation. Uh, and yeah, money does not cause happiness. It can cause a few smiles. Uh, Dr. Ariana, here we are. Once again, another great discussion. Uh, lots of good advice out there. Uh, final thoughts from you. Yeah, thank you, everyone who spoke today. I think you really hit the nail on the head. I like how we continue to look at purpose and how it's driving organizations. And hopefully our listeners will be inspired to connect with purpose, but also think about the many other various factors that influence an individual's ability to connect to purpose and what else might be motivating them. So thank you, everyone. Yes, it works better that way, doesn't it? And just a reminder to everybody who's listening to the podcast that there are other CBOC events that you can attend. I see that on November 17th, which is coming up very quickly, uh, there is a CBOC IO Career Pathfinders peer group meetup. Uh, so once again, a great place to get some wonderful advice. Uh, the IO Psychology Job Seekers Market, which I hear is becoming very popular, uh, that's on November 20th from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes a little longer than 7 uh, a CBOC Momentum session is coming up on the November 21st at 10 a.m. to 10.30 Eastern. I see that we do not have a Work Cookie podcast next week on the 23rd. Uh, we're going to be skipping a week, and we, we get a week off, which is great. Uh, so enjoy next weekend uh, and lots of other events coming up. I believe our next um, Work Cookie podcast is going to be on the 30th of November. Uh, it's going to be AI-powered employees experience platforms personalization for each employee um, back into the world of AI. Uh, so here we are once again. Thank you very much, everyone, for a great conversation. Uh, and um, I believe, oh, no, there you are, Dr. Oriana. If you want to count us out, we'll see everyone in two weeks' time. All right. See you all soon. We're counting out in three, two, one. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? At seboc.com. <laughs> <laughs>